welcome to Chronicle 3 of Dorks Are Dangerous. Thank you those who are returning and welcome those who are new. Today we're going to do a couple of things in our session zero. Uh, we're going to talk about, for our new listeners, kind of what we do here on our podcast. Uh, we'll go into some of the tools we use for our theater of the mind games. We'll talk to our players, do some icebreaker questions, and then we'll go into the monologue and the character descriptions thereafter. So we are based in a homebrew world that we are constantly expanding on. Uh, anything the players come up with can be considered canon. So if they think of a cool or funny thing that happens in the world, boom, it's in there. Like with Chronicle 2, we have a reference to Resting Bitch Face and is now Resting Boris Face. You're welcome. It is great. <laughs> I have with me today our wonderful cast of players. Bruce, please introduce yourself. Hello, Bruce here. Dave. Hi, I'm Dave. Johnny. I refuse on grounds of sparsely spousal abuse. That's Johnny, everybody. And <laughs> welcome our, our newest player, James. I refuse because of his spousal abuse. Nice. Yes. I like I James. Am, I am Sunnyside James. <laughs> oh my goodness, James. Do, do you want to plug in your socials or anything? Uh, you can check me out, Sunnyside James on all handles. Uh, biggest one's TikTok. So we're actually going to start off uh, with some icebreakers as well. I've got two here. So hopefully you guys had a moment to come up with some answers. And I will go last. Because I'm going to force you all to go before me. Uh, if you were the captain of a pirate ship, what would be the name of your ship? Who do you want to go first? You, since you spoke up. Perfect. If I were the captain of a ship, my ship would be named the Unsinkable 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. I like that. Uh, Dave, why don't you go next? Oh, I have to follow that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, mean, I feel like I, I feel like I exhausted my ideas with uh, the previous Chronicle and, and names that were all turned down. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I think the liberal. I think the liberal. Yeah. And and <laughs> as we said before, that ship is going to have no guns. And that is why it's called the liberal. Love it, uh, Johnny. I don't. I don't know. Uh, if I had to name a ship, it would be Debbie does the sea. Okay. Because she will eventually go down. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the eye roll I just had hurt my brain. Love it. <laughs> uh, Bruce, what's yours? Oh man, I've got nothing witty on that. I, you know what? I'd probably if I'd probably take what I did with the like. What did I have? Luna's love canals, whatever it was. That would work. <laughs> sure. Well, as is the trend with the chronicles, and to stay with the idea of D anD D, if I were a captain of a pirate ship, my ship's name would be the Silver Skeptic. Because I question everything. Because you're paranoid as shit about everything. I'm sorry I broke you. I guess I'm going to get a bill for your therapy, but it's fine. It's whatever. Yes, you did break me, and it will never be recoverable. I am forever scarred. You only got me at, like, a good (laughs) 3.5. We're going to escalate this over time. I feel like the spousal abuse goes both ways. (laughs) Little column A, little column B. Careful, James, we can get a, a lawyer involved. Maybe we can get this whole recording. Get out of it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, all right. And then the second question, what's an unusual holiday tradition that you and or your family slash friends have? And this time we will go Bruce first. Unusual. Holiday. Or a fun one that you do. If it's not unusual. To be loved by anyone. For, for, us, the only one that I can really think of is for Thanksgiving when we bring everybody get everybody together. We just try and we literally try and do something different, unique, or or new every time. Whether it's a different dish, whether it's a different story, whether it's a different tradition. So we we actually make a, try and introduce a new tradition every year, which can be challenging and fun. Nice, Dave. How about you? Okay. So the first one is, uh, this is, I was told this is a Western Pennsylvania thing. I didn't grow up doing it. It's not the thing my family did, but now all my friends do. Uh, anybody hear of a cookie table at weddings before? Yes. 
What? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Some people haven't. Okay, so it's this thing. I I don't know where it comes from, but it's the idea of like at the wedding, like you've got the wedding cake, you got the cater, you have all the like nice stuff going on, and then there's going to be a table that's just full of cookies that have been made by family of the wedding uh, of the bride and groom. Um, and I mean like a table just like chock full of like hundreds and hundreds of, of cookies that are all homemade. And I was like, why is this? A... But apparently it's a thing. It's a thing that people do as, um, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know why, but it's like every wedding I've been to in the last 10 years has this giant ass table full of cookies in the corner. Have you it's made any nice. cookies for the giant table? I have not because I have told been told that they are not good enough. Um, oh! Also, like apparently oh! buying store bought oh! well, apparently buying store bought oh! cookies too is also like a slight. Like they have to be like family handed down. Rest. There's great pride in the cookie table and being able to put your cookies on the cookie table. It is a it is a very privileged position apparently. That's so mean. I'm so sorry. D D Dave, don't let their shade take away your sunshine. Yeah. Just saying. Good call. Agreed. No, bring a cupcake and just put it right in the center of the cookie table. Well, I was just confused because, like, this happened at my own wedding, and I was like, "We're paying for a cake. Why do we have a table full of cookies? Like, this this doesn't seem to jive." And they're like, "No, no, no. It's tradition. You have to have a cookie table at a wedding." I'm like, "What the?" F so anyway, that's uh, that's I'd say my weird tradition. Uh, Johnny, how about you? Uh, on Christmas Day, we go over to my buddy's house and we watch a Robo Night Before Christmas and drink wine. That's it's, cool. the, it's the greatest tradition ever. Uh, for those of you that don't know, it is the greatest episode of Power Rangers ever. And uh, you can probably find it on your biggest streaming service out there. You'd have to find the season that it's under, though. And James. Let's see here. I got probably two. One would be uh, watching... Uh, what's the movie with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh, the Christmas movie. Jingle All the Way? That's it. Jingle All the Way. I watched that at least 20 times during the Christmas seasons because it's great. I just wait for him to yell to put his cookie down. It's like my favorite line ever. And then my other tradition on Christmas is my mom likes to make eggnog. And when I say she likes to make eggnog, uh, she uses the least amount of eggnog possible and the rest of it alcohol. And then uh, she gives it to the rest of us. It's wonderful. I like the eggnog tradition. It's a fun one. It is. It is quite wonderful. Well, in my family, I actually have two. So we have, we have a cat cookie jar that gets passed around the family. So what happens is the family comes to Christmas and there's a, you know, gifts on the tree or that gets mailed. We don't know who it's going to. And we're pretty sure this cat cookie jar is a little bit cursed. But Basically, you get the cat cookie jar, and it has to survive the year, and you can't lose it. And if you lose it, you pay the rest of the family like 50 bucks. Because this is not the first time we've had the cat cookie jar. We've had many cat cookie jars, because it either breaks or it gets lost in somewhere. So every year, you're like, oh, God, I hope I don't have the cat cookie jar. And yeah, you get a cat cookie jar. The funnier one is my sister and I. I don't know if you guys have ever done the the story of make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like it has to be very specific with how you make the sandwich and someone else does it based on your instructions. We do it with gifts. So I'll say like, let's say one year I said, I want a fancy top is what I said. My sister proceeded to give me a bedazzled spinning top instead of a shirt. And then the next year I was like, I'm gonna make this fun. Give me a partridge in a pear tree. She Wrap that up in about six, seven different boxes. So like a giant box, a smaller box, a smaller box. She duct taped it. She zip tied it. She she put locks on it. She put it in a chest. And inside was a sticker of a partridge in a pear tree. And I've never been able to top her in the gag gifts. Love that. This is the two of you that do it. The rest of your family isn't on board. My brother-in-law will sometimes get in on it. One year, he put a brick inside one of the boxes to make it feel heavy. And it was like a gift card to Amazon. But my mom and dad aren't so much into it. The kids are starting to get it on it, on her side. But it's mostly just my sister and I. I ice my brother every Christmas. Oh. I hide it in a present somewhere. Last year, I put it in a present that my parents wrapped. 
So we wouldn't oh, suspect it. anything. It was great. Is your brother a lot younger than you, or is he a uh, young? Uh, he's, older. he's he's like four years older than me. So nice. yeah, and it was like a forty, like a you know like the forties. It was like a forty. Uh, Smirnoff Ice it was fantastic. Nice. All right. Well, we've done the icebreakers. We've done some intros. Um, I think we're getting ready to do the bit of the monologue of the story. 150 years ago, the Neo Kingdom gave people an opportunity that didn't come around often. A chance to find fame and fortune in an uncharted land. The idea that a son of a lowly farmer could become a noble without political or social hindrances barring him became very enticing. A young empire that was founded on the outskirts of civilization with the ability to expand until it reached the glimmering seas. The promise of riches and the chance at a new beginning drew people to the land, but even more people of less than moral standing. We will turn our attention away from this kingdom and those in the surrounding lands, drifting inland away from the tumultuous seas and their lost treasures to the smoking mountains of the Bronze Rise, a natural snowy border that separates Caleric and most of the kingdom of Valsh from the lands of the Neo Kingdom. Beneath those snow and suit covered peaks is an old place, but a relatively young city. Dyerden, home not only to the Clockwork Master and their citizens, but also to a place known as the Cradle, a forge that texts and legends have said to have belonged to the god Patron, and a place, if not the place, where he created the god forge thousands of years ago igniting the spark that set the rift in motion, created by the clash of these legions that fought in the battles between Justinian, the believed, and the righteous sword, Stella. But enough about the past. We need to talk about the present. The Region 3 have invited the realm's leaders and religious heads and their representatives, i.e. our band of merry adventurers, to a convention that has happens about every five years or so to examine and possibly procure contracts for the newest models of clockwork creations, or to continue trade agreements for the various exports that Dyerden offers. Our esteemed guests, i.e. our characters we're about to introduce, will get to have a sneak peek before the actual convention begins later in the week. This special audience will take place later this evening. Edmund. You have been stationed in Dyerden for several months now, as directed by the head of your church. The invitation you received just days ago sits on a heavy iron desk, an opportunity that you haven't been afforded before. Steam hisses through the vented heating pipes along the walls and ceilings, ruffling the edges of the paper. Outside, in these wee hours of the morning, you know nothing stirs and no one is up, except for the guardians and the watchers patrolling the streets as your prayers fill the quietness of your church of Aranon. Johnny, could you please describe Edmund's current thoughts and appearance to the rest of us? All right. Uh, Edmund is a human. Uh, he's probably about five foot eight. Uh, kind of a, a slim build, very wiry for a paladin. Uh, most paladins, the He's been around, and the Order of Aranon have spent more time in the gym, so to speak, than he has. They have more muscular definition and tone. He, however, has decided to be faster and quicker, and he's used that to his advantage. Um, he wears a black sleeve that covers his right hand and arm, because as a child, as a very young baby, he was burned. And to hide the scarring that's occurred. Uh, other than that, uh, he has long black hair, pulled back in a ponytail. Uh, your typical pretty boy paladin, uh, dedicated completely to uh, Aranon, uh, the shield. And as far as his thoughts go... Probably keeping his mind open and clear at this time, letting his deity and 
their influence on his life uh, consume him in the early hours as he prays for for a spouse for the day. Thank you. And Johnny, if you would, could you just make me a perception check real quick? What? Rolling in session zero? Hold on. We're doing all. We're breaking all the rules today. We're breaking all the rules. I'm just gonna roll that now, and then find my sheet because I don't have it up. Make me look unprepared because I am. That's gonna be a fifteen, Thank lady DM. Perfect. As you're sitting there and praying, you feel eyes on you. Do you turn to look? I'm in the temple. You are in the temple. Then I do not look. Presence stays a moment longer then. And then you'll gradually feel it slip away. After about a minute or so. Well then. Shelton. What an interesting 24 hours it has been for you. You're still fuzzy on the details of what happened. But thankfully, the servants of the Zalorn Keep were able to bring you safely back to your guest chambers which consists of a shared commons area that attaches to other, you assume, bedrooms, but they are currently locked. Uh, But you have your own private bath and master bedroom. Strangely, whether you see fit to correct the servants or not, they seem to keep referring to you as Archmedulus. James, would you please describe Sheldon's immediate thoughts? and appearance as the servants file out and leave your character to their own devices within the rooms. So, Shelton, or Archmedulus is what they're saying, has kind of no idea what's going on. He is being kind of just, like, guided into this room. Um, and he keeps, like, trying to just slightly interrupt them as they're kind of like pushing him and like, Oh wait, uh, I can't wait. Hold on. I'm not. And they just keep pushing him and he ends up in this room and he just is baffled of what just happened. What does Shelton look like? So Shelton or Shelton bones uh, is about, let's see, about six foot tall, um, six, four, very tall. Uh, very uh, skinny appearing. He has a uh, he dons a gold and black cloak and a gold mask um, to the point where you can't see through the uh, the eye holes. It's kind of like just dark on the inside of his mask. That's what he looks like. Do you make an insight check for me? You can do it in your character sheet, and I'll look for the rolls. That's not going to be good. Oh, never mind. It's a nineteen. <laughs> Fantastic. He doesn't have any, any modifiers. <laughs> no, that's a that's an awesome role. So as you're standing there and like trying to like get a word in and kind of flustered with the situation, you have a feeling it has something to do with the letter in your pocket that as you're sitting there, like you were able to kind of as you're putting the ropes, you probably felt it sh- shuffle around. It feels a fine material and also the ring that is in there. Uh, do you take it? Have you read it yet? Do you take it out to read it now? Or I take it out and read it. You realize you are from, or the person believe you to be, is from the Gallimore kingdom. You are a high-ranking representative of the noble family that kind of oversees that realm. And... That's why they keep referring to you as Archmedulus. And why you've been escorted directly into the Zalorn Keep, which, as you came in, you know was heavily guarded and not many people are walking these halls. And then the the ring? You put it on? Absolutely. You put it on, and since you are covered, you don't see any immediate changes. It's a nice silver ring or anything like that. It doesn't seem to spark anything in you but it's it's silver uh the front plate is is flat shine to a fine mirror polish finish uh the outside of the ring it looks like a singet ring uh the outside of the ring is well engraved with kind of a twisting design but that's all you know of it at the moment he puts it on and he kind of looks at it and goes ooh 
All right, moving right along. It is still early, Keeneth. The jadeite crystals have yet to make the transition from soft blue to glaring yellow. Their light barely visible to you in the yawning darkness, perched as you are on the rim of one of the smaller, dormic volcanic peaks of the Bronze Rise. You know this is dangerous, that if you're caught in coming in or out of Diarden in such a manner, that it could mean getting exiled or worse. But it's worth the risk, day after day. And you've always been a clever one. Bruce, could you please describe your character's immediate thoughts to us as they eagerly await the sunrise in the snow-blistered twilight, as well as how, what they look like? So, Keneth is often in his thoughts of, of the time before this. and tends to get lost and caught up in them. So he ebbs and flows in and out of that bit of reality, if you will. Because of this, he's often tries to stand alone um, and not, not be right directly near people. He doesn't like to be ushered or, or thrust about. So he's, you know, tries to finagle and move and twist and wind through the through whatever obstacles are before him. As far as what he looks like, uh, he's a, um, a gif, basically, and uh, hand skin with dark brown patches of, of flex. High turtleneck covers most, uh, high turtleneck cloak um, covers most of his face as the, often ostracized for his race. Uh, also uh, his breastplate. But he does stride along with, with uh, a head held high and, and jovial nature. So thoughts are to be as accommodating as he can be. Bruce, could you please make a perception check for me? Absolutely. And. And. You are pretty focused on watching and you're intent on watching the sunrise over the, the the canyons that kind of feed into this mountain range and over the distant forest and hills that you see that that's that's taking most of your focus so unfortunately you don't notice much else in this moment other than the beauty of the nature and then well Ryanthal it seems the fate themselves have played with your patience and time for this trip. Everything from bandit raid attempts to having to stoop to haggle for prices for spell components due to the bandit raid attempts, ensuring that your duties at the university were properly attended to in your absence, you've just barely managed to reach the meeting point to gain access to Diarden in time. With only hours to spare before the initial gathering takes place, you find yourself greeted by, in the loosest term of what looks to be a carriage that is nowhere near the gates, well, at least a few miles out from the gates of Diarden, which is a giant arching bridge made of iron that feeds into the mountainside and great giant doors. You're greeted by two. Um, what appear to be servants, uh, their robes are red, their faceplate is of a dark silver color, uh, and they look to you, you exchange words for a moment, and they open the carriage door. All of a sudden, you are magically blinded and silenced as per the agreement to attend this event. Dave, as you are brought closer to the metal contraption that they're trying to usher you into, what are Ryanthal's immediate thoughts and could you describe them to us? So I would say after all that travel, Ryanthal is, as ever, um, exhausted and kind of has that 
anxious anxiety that comes along with that exhaustion. It's been a long time on the road. And aside from the long time on the road, they've never really had the same energy. They're um, quite a bit up there in years at this juncture. So yeah, thoughts are mostly just tired, exhausted, frustrated as they're ushered forward. What do they look like? Other than up there in ages history, did you want to describe their attire? Uh, yeah. Or? So Ryanthal is um, a high elf and bears a lot of the typical elfly features. So quite tall, um, rather thin, gaunt, beautiful, long silver hair, gray to some, um, typical pointy ears. One thing that definitely sets them apart from other elves, however, is the noticeable bags under their eyes. Yeah, but walking along in typical wizardry, university professor style attire, long flowing robes, simple travel due to the travel, a simple essentially dueling scimitar at their hip. Other than that, not really much visible possessions aside from a couple books and a few things and a small pouch on their back. Excellent. Does Reinthal protest or try to fight the, at all as the Assistants try to guide you into the carriage? Not at all. Through these long troubles, they were expecting as they approached the end of their journey that this would be coming. They knew what they had agreed to. Perfect. Well, then could you please roll me a history check? 26. That is perfect. So as you said, they... Ryanthal expected this to happen. He, this was the part of the terms of agreement to come to this event, to this convention. Uh, however, as you are placed inside this iron carriage, which doesn't have wheels, but more like several sets of legs, some that are spiked and some that are more like giant hands, comes to life with a series of clicks and whirs and mechanical hissing. You know that Anyone that comes to Dyerden outside of the normal means for travelers has to go in through passages that are just considered secret and only for those of the Zalaran Keep to use, especially as an esteemed guest. It is both to protect you from the knowledge of how to access Dyerden in these manners, but also to protect Dyerden so that you, if things were to go awry and if you were considered a spy, you would not be able to escape easily. Now, that we've had a chance to introduce our players and characters. I can either create a situation where you will all know each other and come together, or if the group would like, you may discuss how you all would know each other. If you would, you, I will say this, you do, you're aware of each other at the moment, but if you guys want to know each other, I let you guys feel free to discuss that. Well, I'm more than okay with putting the ball in your court and making you figure it out on the fly. As is tradition. As is tradition. I prefer, tradition the, I prefer tradition. the DM's chaos. Okay. <laughs> I hope you had a plan for this. <laughs> oh, I do. Bruce, how about you? I think you were saying something. No, I was simply agreeing as per tradition. All right. And Dave. Tradition. <laughs> well, I mean, last time we as players were like, oh, let's do this and let's do that. The DM was like, welcome, you're fleeing a burning city. <laughs> so I think it's going to be DM chaos anyway. May as well uh, see what you come up with. All right, then. So we'll actually come back around to the top. Edmund, you start hearing the hissing of the heating pipes inside the church grow louder as more heat is dispelled into the church. You start to feel heat, not feel, sorry, you start to see the glaring yellow of some of the jadeite crystals, which is a main source of light in Diarden, kind of show up behind your eyes, and you know that the day is beginning. Uh, the heat and the hissing from the pipes is strangely comforting for some reason. Mm -hmm. So now that the day's beginning, I will meet with the uh, head pontifice of the church and see what's needed of me today, if anything. 
you go and meet him. He is happy to see you and welcomes you warmly. What would his name be for to Edmund? Wentz. Wentz, thank you. Wentz sees you come in and goes, Edmund, good morning. And you as well, sir. I am to understand that you have received the invitation for tonight's festivities. I have. Are you prepared to report back what you find? Of course. Is there anything particular you would like me to do while I'm there? Yes. Uh, he suddenly goes to a table and uh, into his desk and pulls out a drawer. Uh, he's rummaging for a moment. Pulls out a letter um, that he received. Um, you're not sure when, but it's something he's just looking over. And he goes, I believe you and I have discussed this briefly before, but the heads of the Aranon Church want to investigate what is happening with the, the refugees of Dyerden. We've heard many prayers and complaints from our from our flock that those who go to work in upper district dollar or sorry, lower district dollar as this insane city is a reverse cycle anyway. And in the Zollern keep that either they're not returning or they've ceased to respond to their loved ones. I'd like you to see if you could speak to some of these individuals in the Zollern keep while you're there, if possible. Of course, sir. As always, I will be their shield. May the forge guide you. And also with you? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> shield, oh, no. Your shield and the forge. I was trying to stop from laughing. Yeah. No, no, we do that here. It's good. It's, a, it's fine. Ah, okay. There's no laughing in Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, damn you. Laugh at your face. No, um, perfect. So as you're having this conversation with him, you hear a harsh knocking at the door. Uh, the main doors, like outside this room that serves as his office. I casually glance over and nod to him without saying another word and head out to the main doors. Fantastic. Um, I assume you go to open them. Of course. All right. As you open the doors, they give a slight groan with age and the the weathering of underground life and the moisture in the air. And you are immediately greeted by what is known as a guardian clockwork and a small uh, drugar. He goes. The Regent Three are expecting you. I believe you have your invitation, good sir. I do, my friend. May I see it? You're expecting me now, and I reach into my uh, side satchel and hand it over. He takes a look. And I stand very nonchalantly. I rest my hand out of the hilt of my rapier at my side. The guardian clockwork, who's like seven feet tall and is has fo- has a giant shield in one of its three arms and has like two rapiers in two other arms and a basically a, a longsword in its fourth arm, stands very still, but you just hear the creak of its head kind of turn towards you as you put your hand on your sword. It's You know they're built to watch for threats. And so anything that could be perceived as a threat is closely monitored until you make a move. Uh, the Drugar servant uh, looks at the, the invitation, folds it up, hands it back to you, like, just making sure it's in all proper condition, sir. We will come collect you in about four hours' time. Of course, my friend. Should I bring anything? Do you need wine, Al? Smoke? He kind of quirks his head a little bit at the smoke. Guilty pleasure, likely. Um, and goes, if there are creature comforts you wish to bring, feel free so. 
but it should just be you and the immediate items you need. We will provide whatever else you may want. Well, you're a extremely gracious host. He bows to you very I graciously. I smile and give him a slight nod, bow of my head. Uh, and then he will take his leave of you. And the guardian, real mechanically goes, <laughs> starts like, it's real janky sounding, but it moves with the, it looks a little stiff, but you've seen how fast these things can move and how quickly if they need to, as it follows behind him, like right on his heels. And people give a wide berth as they walk down the street towards their next destination. But you have a few hours now to prepare to be taken to the Zollern Keep. They will meet you back at the church, but the day will be yours otherwise. Excellent. Shelton, so you are in your rooms, and well, you assume are your rooms, and what would Shelton like to do in the moment? He've, you've been left to yourself, the servants are not there. You're by yourself um, currently. Yeah, he he's gonna kind of just like walk around the room because he doesn't know where he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he looks for any kind of literature on a bookshelf, maybe that could help him understand what's going on. Sure. Um, you do find a, a few books. There is a book about like the history of Diarden. There's book a book about exports and trades. Um, there's a little bit on the the Gallimore kingdom. Um, but basically just uh, the other books are kind of just like knick-knacky and when you're bored kind of reading, pleasure mm-hmm. reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wants to kind of just peruse through the history of Diarden. Perfect. I looked, it piqued his interest. Perfect. So you, as you're kind of glancing through, um, give me since you're just glancing through, you're not taking time to really read it, uh, like go through it deeply. Give me just a, a perception check. That is a five. All right. Well, as your eyes kind of glaze over from the very tiny text on the many, many pages, uh, you do know that Diarden is an underground city. It is younger than the Neo Kingdom, but not by much. And that it used to be a basically an outpost for thieves and bandits because coming through this way was very dangerous before it was established as a city um, for any like refugees. Sure. He wants to go and explore because he has no idea where he is. So he wants to like kind of just leave the room. Oh, so you want to go exit out of your personal rooms. Perfect. Um, you go mm-hmm. to open the door, I assume, to your ma- to go into the hallway. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately, you are greeted by a, I'm going to butcher the race name, so correct me if I'm wrong, the Koa Tao servant, uh, a butler. Okay. And he's literally right there in front of you in the front door. Good evening, sir. Is there something you require? Yes. Um, can you... Show me around. He looks to you a little bug-eyed, but they're already bug-eyed, and goes, Well, I suppose a a casual stroll through the grounds won't be inappropriate, especially for one of our honored guests. Please, follow me. I'll take you about the garden. Yes, yes. uh, Honored guest, you are correct. Give me a deception check. Okay. That is a six. Are you feeling all right, sir? He's looking at you a little intently. Oh, well, you know, just uh, feeling like a bag of bones, if you know what I'm saying. And he starts laughing. Indeed. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) A moment passes. We'll see to giving you some um, some tea that will help you feel right as rain later, if that is preferred. Yeah, yeah. So you start 
getting the tour, so to speak, a very careful and quick paced tour by this butler. And um, he can I when he's like kind of pacing in front of me giving the tour, kind of just like slip away. Give me a stealth check. That is a 26. All right, I'm going to roll a perception for him real fast. Oh, he failed bad. Okay. So as he's prattling along, the oh, and over here is, we have the larger dining room. It's for our for guests of royal families and what's not. And da, da, da. Mm-hmm, his mm-hmm, face mm-hmm. slowly fades as you kind of backpedal slowly away. And you are now maybe about a hundred feet from your original door down a long corridor. Mm-hmm. But there are there's a path to your left, to your right of basically steel and stone walls and the lights on the sides are all slowly turning yellow. Um, just gradually all together. Okay. Would you, where would you like to go? I would like to just tiptoe my way around nowhere specifically. Just, uh, I'm going to go, is there anywhere I can go left or right? Or is this like a long hallway? Yep. There's a corridor left and to the right. I will go left. You go left. Okay. Going left, um, you see, you hear the occasional, like, whirring, clipped steps of what you assume might be a machine, um, it, but it kind of passes by down a separate hallway after a few minutes. Um, there's a couple of closed doors down this way, um, but eventually uh, you find yourself uh, heading towards the kitchens. Of like you head down into like another area of the of the castle and you're in the kitchens area. No one's here just yet, but that could be maybe the cooks have stepped away to go grab some more supplies, or they're in another they're in the pantries gathering stuff for the upcoming events of tonight. Okay, is there any food? There is food. There is a giant um, succulent pig mm-hmm. um, that's going to be chopped up and cooked later to this evening. There is some vegetables on the counter already, but most stuff is still put away. But there's a pig kind of still being bled out at the moment. Okay. Uh, is there anything I can immediately eat? There are, like, potatoes, essentially, on the table, if you want to eat those. Okay, he's just going to shove an entire potato in his mouth, and it's just going to, like, he's going to hear it, and it just drops to the floor. Clink, clank, clink, clank, clink. And he goes, oh, well, that's new. Okay. And he just continues on. Uh, roll me a perception check. That is a 16. 16. You hear the Kautoa, um calling for you as he's realized you are missing. Um, mm-hmm. you, he's kind of close by and you hear... Um, the heavy clink of metallic footsteps close behind his words. Okay. Is there anywhere else to go other than where he's coming from? There is a uh, a door to the right that's just past the large table that's in the center of this room. Okay. I want to go over to that and go inside. It is a smaller pantry. Um, there's no exit out of there. Oh, uh, okay. Well, he is just gonna shut the door, and he is going to just be looking at the pig, like he's just like, kind of like, hmm, hmm. This is this is this is how you bleed a pig, all right. So he's just gonna play off like he got lost. Okay. Um, the voice gets louder, and soon. Oh, there you are, sir. I, I thought I lost you. You did. You did lose me. Hmm. Well, well my, my, comp- my compatriot here will we'll make sure that does not happen again. And you see a seven-foot guardian. You don't know it's a guardian, but it's a jo- seven-foot, basically, clockwork machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, humanoid in appearance. Uh, a single, like, 
gem for an eye in the middle of its faceplate, and the four arms, three of which have a sword, and one has a shield. And it stalks towards you, but stops about like a foot away, just watching you. As the the butler goes, well then, shall we continue our our tour, sir? We shall. And you're escorted out of the kitchens. Uh, you are given a very mundane tour of the castle grounds. The warp, the uh, clockwork guardian stays behind you okay. and is never more than like two feet away from you at this okay. point. But we're going to cut there. And we're going to go over to Bruce and Keeneth. So as the sun rises... What is Keeneth's next step as it crests over the distant horizon? Well, I would presume to continue upon the path into the city. Okay. So you make your way off the, uh, the rim of this smaller volcanic peak. You uh, know that there is a small cavern entrance maybe about 30 feet down at an angle. You don't have to climb down, thankfully, but you have to be kind of careful with your footing. Um, you've done this a hundred times before. And you go, you sneak your way back in. Can you make me a stealth check, please? To avoid the, the watchers that are constantly monitoring the edges of the, of the city. Yeah, stealth. Come on, stealth. Apparently, I'm going to roll midway 11 all throughout the campaign. This will be fine. <laughs> Do you think you're being pretty stealthy? Like, again, you've done this a hundred times. Why would you get caught now? Um, as you enter back into the city, you are going through what is known as the laves. The laves is the upper part of this city. Uh, it is closest to the surface. It is also the most cold part of the city, as the steam vents do not carry as much heat up this way. Um, but you do clock the standard watchers, which are these littler machines that kind of look like six-legged insects, a big old carapace with a big old eye in the center, and two smaller ones on the sides, um, that kind of perch themselves to walls and to buildings and just kind of keep an eye on everything. You sneak by them, and where are you wanting to go? You could go back to your church. You could go to the Dolo district. Um, you have your letter. You know they will be coming to collect you eventually, or at least check in on you. Does it say in the letter where they're going to collect me and when? It is. The letter states that they're going to collect you basically as your residence or your most preferred location, which they believe that to be um, your Church of Twyla. Yep. Agreed. Then he... I would say that I'll take my time going back to the church to promptly meet them when expected. Okay. Uh, Roll me a perception check as you get closer to the building. You're going to be great. (laughs) Out of seven. (laughs) so you're getting closer to the building and you aren't you're you're kind of still thinking about the sunrise you're thinking about all the things you have to do today and you don't notice that the units are already at the front of your church with a a human servant from uh, red robes from solar keep that goes oh oh you're you're already up I'm surprised. I thought we would meet you right as the 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 crystals turned yellow. Good morning. Hello to you. I uh, tend to be a bit of an early riser. I I like to meet the sun or or the horizon as it comes. Oh, I'm sure you. I'm sure the watchers really appreciated um, you checking in with them when you did that. Of course. She kind of gives you a little bit of a look, but it's it's still soft and gentle as a servant needs to be, especially when you're from the Zalrin Keep. 
um and she goes well um i need to see your 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 invitation please just to verify some things could Absolutely. you fetch it yes yes i have it right here and i produce it thank you and much as the other seven before she takes a moment to expect it her eyes kind of going over the page um she's touching a few lines and goes Ah, oh, perfect. All seems to be in order. Thank you. She hands it back to you. Well, you have a few hours to yourself, of course, to uh, gather any personal effects that you wish. We will come collect you here in about four to six, four to five hours from now. Do you have any Very questions well. for myself? Well, I don't think so unless you can enlighten me upon the next phase of the gathering here. Oh, well, as you're aware, the the gathering is sort of a a sneak peek, if you will, to the Clockwork Master's uh, latest creations. Um, you and a few other guests have been given the privilege to attend because, as your various leaderships have aligned that they would be a most profitable venture for you to see and possibly obtain contracts sooner than the other parties. Well, I am quite the, quite the admirer of the clock of the clockwork master and, and, and the creations therein. So I am, I am quite curious to see this newness. You would be thrilled to hear that. Well, like I said, we'll come get you in a few hours. Tend to any personal matters you wish. Um, you will be staying in the Zollern Keep. You obviously are free to come and go as you wish with the timetables. Just we'll make sure you're able to get past the Watchers and the Guardians with the right paperwork. Of course. He gives her a very long, deep, lengthy bow. She inclines her head and dips her shoulders back at him and goes, good day to you. And she'll turn and the, the units will, um, which are about four, four to five feet tall, they have a shield and long swords, um, will follow her um, back down the street towards the Dola district and presumably the Zoller keep down lower into the mountain. Is there anything else, uh, Bruce, would you like to do in this moment? Uh, no, I think what I'll do is uh, go back to my my sectional, my room of of the church, gather my belongings of of need there, and and wait for the summons. You, as you go back into that room, there is a parchment waiting on your bed space. Well, isn't this curious? As I pick it up to read it. You read it, and it is very plain script that says, remember our agreement. And we will honor our side of it. That's all it says. I fold it and specifically so that it's not to be confused with the other and tuck it in a deep pocket. We move on to Ryanthal. You are in, you are finally after about 20 minutes or so. This machine is actually moving surprisingly fast and it's a very comfortable ride inside of it, even though it's mostly a metal body with some cushions on the inside for your comfort. Um, within 20 minutes, do you feel the machine kind of gently lurch to a stop? And the the door swings open vertically and steps fold out to the ground, and you are greeted by the two masked attendants once more. Uh, excuse me, sir. We have arrived at the Southern Keep, and one holds a hand out to help you down the stairs. So I think uh, Ryanthal steps out of the carriage, and um, does You are no longer magically uh, blinded or silenced, by the way. Once you Excellent. stopped, it went away. Excellent. Um, so they get out and they're going to first take a nice big long stretch and then yawn and reach out to take the hand of the assistant as they step down from the carriage. 
your feet immediately, instead of tapping stone, taps iron. Um, the ground at this level of depth within Dyerden is mostly steel and iron and copper. Um, the stone work is more towards the upper portions of this place, which is the Dolo district, which is your kind of middle class where most of your merchant shops are. And then the laves, which is more of the, the slate and a bit more of the, the, the moisture driven rock and pipes. Um, you are presented with the entrance to one of the entrances to Zothern Keep. Uh, immediately you see a giant like circular kind of shimmering wall that encompasses most of the main part of the keep that kind of separates it from the other uh, districts and areas. And the attendant taking your hand, if you allow them, will continue to hold on your hand if you wish it, if you are fatigued. If not, they will let go and go this way, uh, sir. We are going to take you to your chambers to rest. And then later this evening, we will meet with the Regent Three and potentially the Clockwork Master, as indicated in your invitation. Do you have any items you wish to attend to before then? Uh, so, Ryanthal's going to look around to kind of go, well, suppose if there's some time before the event. Um, actually, I think some rest would do quite well. Um, it's been quite the arduous journey. So, yes, if you could escort me to my quarters, that would be perfect. Uh, although I'm quite capable of walking myself. Thank you. And, um, yeah, basically it's going to allow the servant to escort them. But uh, but they'll walk along. They're, they're fine with <laughs> they're not so old that they're like cranked over or anything. Oh, they nod their heads and they approach the one is in front of you, one is behind you, these two servants. The one in front who goes up to uh, a point in the shimmering like field that's around the keep, and you see a smaller machine with a big circular eye, uh, red and a, a metal carapace with about six legs um, come up and is walking along the shimmering force field and stares at the servant who presents, um, they take off their glove and present their hand, which has a silver ring on it. And it flashes light at the hand for a moment, kind of makes a sound. And then the light turns off and the watcher moves out of the way. And the servant um, walks through and kind of gestures for you to do the same. Yeah, uh, still expecting this to kind of be almost expected. Yeah, Ranthal is just going to walk up, present their hand. I assume that they are wearing a ring. No, you actually are not. This. Oh. Yeah, so you are not wearing one of these rings. Hmm. Well, they, they present their hand uh, without the ring, basically just do the same gesture, but without a ring present. Fantastic. So you do that. Um, the Watcher creature droid looks at you, but doesn't really do anything, just kind of just keeping an eye on you. And the attendant behind you goes, no, it's okay. Um, since you're with us, you can, you can go through. We will ensure you have the proper documentation for coming and going as needed once we're inside. Ah, well, I should hope so. It doesn't really make much sense for you to have a guest here who's not authorized or able to verify that authorization. So I look forward to you following through. Of course. And then carries on. Perfect. So you step through, and the immediate thing you notice is like you don't really feel much from the shimmering wall. But what you notice is that the Dolan district, which is the area you were coming in from or coming out of, uh, was a little bit, it was, it was warm, it was pleasant, but you come into this area, it's like temperature is weirdly balanced in a sense that you are neither hot nor cold, and your body can't tell if it wants to sweat or shiver sort of way. It's a very odd sensation to your skin. Um, and the air feels charged in a, a very 
peculiar way as you are escorted through the grounds of this giant, mostly stone, but heavily reinforced with steel and iron and all kinds of metal uh, adornments to this keep. And you, as you're walking through, could you make a persuasion, uh, not persuasion, a perception check for me? Mm, that's neat. That's neat. So you don't, you're kind of like taken aback by the fact that you literally just walked into like a sensory deprivation chamber in a weird way. Um, so you only clock the, the couple of, of little bug-eyed droids kind of on the grounds. Um, you're not looking much anywhere else. Um, and you're just kind of so tired from your trip that you're just following the two attendants to what you presume will be your chambers. Which you do eventually get there. Uh, you notice there's a couple of corridors, not very many pictures or sparse of art in here. Um, from your notes as being a professor, you're aware that the Clockwork Master does not have much taste for arts other than creating these metallic creations or building armor or weapons, etc. Um, gotcha, you very do... utilitarian. Yes. A little bit minimalist, minimalistic in that sense as well. You get to your chambers, though. They, you know, present them to you. And you, go, you see a, sh a large um, commons area that has several doors. But they specifically direct you to a door farthest to the left. And go, this is where you will be able to sleep and bathe privately. We recommend, like... If you would wish to lock your door at night, uh, the commons area is shared for the esteemed guests, so that way, if necessary, we can all meet you here. But for now, please uh, enjoy your rest. If you need anything, just hollers. There will be an attendant outside. I see, and I trust that you'll come here to uh, provide me with whatever authorization I need to be able to walk freely through the city. Of course. It will take a couple of hours, but you will have it before we begin festivities. And mm. for now, the attendant will guide you through the Zalvin Keep. Um, if you need to go past that point, they will attend to you as you walk about the city. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. I uh, look forward to seeing you again. They bow their heads to you, incline their shoulders. And both in near mirror perfect stride, walk out the door and close it behind them. And you're left to your own devices. Yeah, I think knowing what I've got, I think Ronathal at this point is just going to go into the room and make themselves comfortable, do a quick inventory, make sure that they have all of the items that they need to bring with them, uh, and basically just kind of do some taking stock. Uh, once they're done taking stock, they are going to. I assume there's a bed. Uh, they are going to try to lay down and take a nap. It is overstuffed and so comfortable. Wonderful. They lay down to try to sleep and are unable to do so. <laughs> Perfect. All right. And that is where we're going to call it for tonight. We will see what happens to the party next session before or during this little sneak peek gathering that the Clockwork Master has put together. Thank you everyone so much for joining. Um, if you like these sessions, please follow us on Patreon, check out our Instagram or Facebook. Um, if you like what we do and want to see if you can get it on the action, we always are taking guest audience members, or sorry, not guest audience members, guest players. Um, we will take suggestions if you want to see a cool new feature or a race or a specific cool item. Just hit us up. Let us know. So thank you again from myself, from Bruce, Dave, Johnny, and James. I think you still have to do the outro, even though you're the DN. Yeah, you're kind of locked in. So question. question. We can't mm -hmm. have an audience, like a live action audience, where they're like clapping in the background? I mean, if you can throw <laughs> that together, I would be very impressed. Cool, 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 cool. cool. I'm just going to get a sound bit of just like the friends backtrack of 
clapping and laughing. <laughs> All right, Johnny, make sure you add that into the uh, to the recording. Thank you. <laughs> this is going to be the. You didn't realize you were doing the sitcom uh, chronicle. <laughs> chronicle. <laughs> what crazy shenanigans will they all get up to? Find out next episode. Kaylee Evans like, I'm going to add the serious game. It's going to be awesome. Guess what? You just got the How I Met Your Mother series. Let's you do this. Friends. You got played. <laughs> so, so, James, just so you know, I added like mules to my mundane like, like um, shop and pigs. They're like, okay, buy it. Like a thousand pigs, and we'll just retire. <laughs> Love this. Love it. Oh, anyway, yeah, they think about becoming bandits now and like just starting a farm. <laughs> As one does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, Kaylee, you're contractually obligated right here on page 17, subsection 4 to be that you need to do the outro. And I would like to say in subsection 64, fuck you. Hey, I'm just kidding. Uh, remember, Wait, everyone, dorks are... What? You guys got a book? <laughs> it's just a contract. It's pretty extensive. Yep. You'll All be right. signing one after the session. Of Johnny bullies us. And <laughs> I expect 64 pages. <laughs> oh, God. Remember, everyone, dorks are dangerous. Bye!